Let's turn to um, our text that we've been studying, 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 2, just a few pages away from each other. This is part six of the power of thanksgiving, and I think we're getting close to the end. If this is not the end, it's, it's getting close to the end of this subject. Um, and I'm just believing and releasing my faith that you have gained some revelation in this and some understanding about the power of thanksgiving that we've never had before. I've certainly benefited from this. I'm telling you, I would, if I had known some of this years ago, I would have come out a lot quicker than I did, you know? I, I, um, I only ever remember hearing one sermon, uh, and I can only remember portions of it on Thanksgiving, but my faith just wasn't there. It just wasn't there to, to act on it and to do it, and, and really, there was no teaching on it. You know, they were just saying, thank, thank the Lord, you know, but I just couldn't see it, you know. They didn't explain anything. Uh, they didn't explain the spiritual principles involved and or anything and my faith just wasn't there to take it and and just do it by faith but so this is this has really been helpful to me and I'm telling you what as soon as my eyes open in the morning thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord that's what's coming out of my mouth amen and I mean it it will just you know when it gets down in your spirit I mean things just are brighter you know, you're lighter, you're just opening yourself up to God, and that's what we're going to talk about today, about uh, magnifying God and, and the importance of that and the significance of that. So let's uh, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's read that out loud together. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So for our purposes, we're, we're majoring on the, the first half of that verse. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. We've talked about uh, in previous sessions about this phrase, uh, he gives us, Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. That cannot be talking about past tense. Obviously, we thank God for past victories. But what we've been wanting to receive more revelation on is the power of thanking God in advance for victories that we haven't even experienced yet, things we haven't seen happen yet, things we haven't felt yet. And in the second scripture, when he says, uh, Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph, always causes 
is not talking about the past. Always causes today, always causes us to triumph today, always causes us to triumph tomorrow, always causes us to triumph next month, next year. So always causes is present and future. And when you're thanking God in advance for something that hasn't even happened to you yet, that is faith. Most of the time when, when you mention the word faith to somebody, they'll say, oh, well, I'm Christian or I'm Baptist or I'm Catholic or, you know, Muslim, Buddha, whatever. That, that's faith to some people. That's not faith. That's just a denomination or a tie, yeah, or a hope or a wish or something, you know. Faith is believing God for something that you haven't even experienced yet and you're acting like it's already done. That's, that's releasing your faith. That's faith. We are able to receive from God's will according to our ability to receive. And so God's will stays the same and God himself is not limited. We, we just talked about Jesus. He wasn't limited, but the people put some limitations on what he could do. But he wasn't li limited in himself because he went 10 miles down the road and performed miracle after miracle happened. But just because so something is God's will doesn't automatically mean it's going to happen. And that's what a lot of Christians don't understand. They think just because something's God's will, it'll just automatically happen. Or just because it's in the Bible, it'll automatically happen. God expects us, you know, we got a part in this. God expects us to up to believe him. And and concerning Jesus and Nazareth and these other cities, the only difference between Nazareth and those other towns is that um, Nazareth, they did not believe what Jesus said. That was the only difference. The people 10 miles down the road, they believed what he said. The same word, it was the same word, the same Holy Spirit, the same God. The only difference between Nazareth and all these other cities People in Nazareth, they did not believe what he said. And, and, and they didn't receive. So, so our ability to receive, our, our ability to receive uh, his will, what did Jesus say? According to your faith, be it done unto you. Did he say, according to your need, be it done unto you? Did he say, according to my power, be it done unto you? Did he say, according to my will, be it done unto you? No. A according to your faith, be it done unto you. So if their faith is limited, it's going to limit what they can receive. So that's why we teach faith. Amen? Because that's how we receive everything. You cannot even get born again without faith. You can't get healed. You cannot receive 
The Bible says it's impossible to please God without it. So that's why we're so strong on it. And it's connected to everything. It's even connected to the subject of Thanksgiving. That's why we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're also talking about faith. So we've talked about cultivating a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Uh, we've talked about how lifestyle is not just on Sunday morning. It's not just Saturday morning here. The word lifestyle in the dictionary means the way in which a person or group lives. It's the way you live your everyday life. That is your lifestyle. How do you live every day? That's your lifestyle. And that's why we have got to initiate this and incorporate thanksgiving into our life so it becomes a lifestyle. And we don't even have to, to think about it. It's just in our spirit. It just becomes a part of us. And that's what the word cultivate means. Uh, we talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, in everything, give thanks. That's what it's talking about. Make it a lifestyle. In the kitchen, give thanks. In the garden, give thanks. In the car, give thanks. In the good times, give thanks. In the bad times, give thanks. That's lifestyle. The word cultivate means to acquire or develop a quality, sentiment, or skill. To apply oneself to improving or developing. I think that's the best one. To apply oneself to improving or developing. So we're developing a lifestyle of thanksgiving. We should not go more than a few hours a day without saying, thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, you always cause me to triumph. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me favor. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my needs, and I have an overflow to support every good work. If you catch yourself, if you've gone a few hours in the day and you realize you hadn't said that in a few hours, you need to step it up, okay? Step it up. Thanksgiving is a spiritual exercise of faith that opens up your spirit, your, your inner man, your insides. It's an act of faith and it gives God the right and the place to get involved in your business. It's like a magnet that attracts the grace of God to you. Well, if Thanksgiving can give place to God and attract His involvement in your life, what do you think complaining does and feeling sorry for yourself? Who does that attract? What does it attract? That's what we've been talking about. You're attracting the wrong, the wrong things. And we're talking about this because we're the ones that benefit from this giving of thanks. We're the ones that need it. This is for us. It's not for God. God doesn't need encouraging. God doesn't need, uh, you know, his ego boosted every few hours. He doesn't need his security you know, reinforced. We're the ones that benefit from this. So
so when we open up our hearts and real faith and real humility and real gratitude and we say thank you Lord for healing me thank you Lord for giving me favor thank you Lord for delivering me and turning this situation around it does something to your insides it does something to your insides it qualifies us for the grace of God and it's an act of faith when you're hurting oh my gosh he's feeling he's feeling he's Jesus, he was healed. And since he was healed, he is healed. And you will not attack the word of God. You will not come to steal the word of God in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against him will prosper. No weapon formed against any of us will prosper in the name of Jesus. You will not steal the word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 If you have any doubts that the Word of God's true, Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Satan comes to steal the Word. Well, he's not having it. Amen? He's not having it. Hallelujah. You feel faint? Okay. Do um, you want a, a wet towel or something? Word and you healed them. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you. You sent your word and it healed me. Hallelujah. down with the flu and sick and, and they start saying all oh, that stuff you're preaching is not true he said no this is confirmation it's true Satan's come to steal the word well he's not having it hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord
laughing and mocking and making fun. Father, have mercy on them. In Jesus' name, I just bless them. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rogers in the right place at the right time today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're all in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Order in our steps. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We've come to, to learn. God's plan and His will yeah. for us. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. If you feel like you want to get up and yeah, walk around or something, just feel free. You you won't you won't bother me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. Hallelujah. I have turned down the cooling a little bit. So hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, everyone. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank Rogers the healed. We're all the healed. Amen. We're all the healed and we're saying so. Hallelujah. That's not walking by sight. That's walking by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a faith that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. No disease belongs in this room. Amen. Healing belongs to Amen. 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 It's our inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 34. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read this out loud. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. One more time. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen? Now, let's turn over to um, Luke 17. Luke 17, we went into some detail last time about the ten lepers that were healed. And in verse uh, 13... Luke 17, 13, it says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice the phrase, they lifted up their voices. They were not quiet about this. They were loud. And, and we need to be just as loud in our thanksgiving when God has met the need, when we get our answer when we see it manifested when we experience it we need to be just as loud in our giving of thanks as we were when we were crying out for help yeah. amen yeah. hallelujah they stood afar off and they cried out Jesus have mercy on us and um, one came back verse 15 and 16 one of them when he saw that he was healed 
turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. These ten men, they left and they, they did what Jesus told them to do. Go show their, themselves to the priest. And as they left and started doing what Jesus told them to do, I don't know how far they got, but probably within a few minutes, this guy looks down and all of a sudden, the leprosy's gone. Do you believe he really had leprosy? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And he saw it was gone. And, and he, Jesus, you know. And, and he turned around and started running back down the road. And Jesus hears all this commotion. And he, he hears him. And then here he comes around the corner. And he's running. And it's, the Bible says he fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks and and obviously jesus didn't get upset with him about being so loud he didn't correct him he didn't rebuke him he didn't say shh i'm holy let's be quiet no there are times to be quiet and there are times to be loud and this was the time to be loud amen <laughs> When God's, when you had, uh, you know, something happened to you like Peter and, you know, all, you've experienced something miraculous and something you've been standing and believing for, it's time to get loud. We need to be just as loud about giving thanks as we were when we were asking God to help us. Amen. So Jesus did not rebuke this man for getting loud. As a matter of fact, he says, where's everybody else? Where are the other nine? How did he know? How did he know the other nine had been healed? He never saw them. They never came back. He knew by faith. They all got it. He knew they all, because they all acted on the word. But only one returned, and it says he gave thanks and uh, do you believe this still works today amen yes. yeah amen faith is faith I don't care what year it is hallelujah now what we want to establish today is thanksgiving is a major way of glorifying God that's what it says this man did here it says Verse 16, he fell on his face, giving him thanks. And in verse 18, it, Jesus said, only this stranger returned to give glory to God. So you can see the connection between the thanksgiving and giving glory to God. That's what we want to establish. Thanksgiving is magnifying God. Now, when Psalm 34 says, magnify the Lord, how do you magnify the Lord? The word magnify comes from the Latin word magnus, which means great. And even in the secular dictionary, it gives a reference of honor to God. It says to show honor to God, to make greater in size or importance to extol and to glorify so when we magnify God 
we're giving place to God to come into our lives and work on our behalf and our situation. Now, you remember what uh, I mentioned back at the beginning of this? Uh, you know, Keith Moore was, uh, had the Lord, you know, speak to him and say, would you like to increase your capacity to receive from me? And he said, yes. And he said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So, when, our, when we magnify God and we thank God, it enlarges us spiritually. It enlarges God, but it enlarges us spiritually. So, if our ability to receive is increased, then God's involvement in my life is increased. Can you see that? So it's all connected to giving thanks to God. The more we thank God, the more we magnify Him, the more we glorify Him, the more we give Him place to work in our situation. And like I said earlier, what happens if you give place to the devil by complaining and having pity parties, who are you giving place to to come in your life and do more work? The wrongs, the dark side. And that's what we don't want to do. We, we initiate this thanksgiving to God. How did this man in Luke 17, how did he give glory to God? By thanking him for healing him. That's what he returned to do. And by thanking Jesus for healing him, he was acknowledging that Jesus is the one that did it. He was saying, Jesus, you didn't heal me because I earned it. You didn't heal me because I deserved it. You didn't heal me. I didn't get healed because I've done all the right things or I was living perfectly or I knew everything I needed to know. It was by your grace. And I'm acknowledging that it was by your grace. You didn't have to do it, but you did it. And that's grace. And that's mercy. And it magnifies God. Now let's turn over to Romans 4. We mentioned this scripture last week. <coughs> Last time, Romans 4, 18, talking about our father of faith, Abraham. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now you could say it like this. Abraham did not magnify his age. He did not magnify Sarah's age. He did not magnify the fact that she could never have children. Even when she was 21, she couldn't have children. Whatever you magnify, you glorify it, you enlarge it, and you give it more place to work in your life, and it is allowed to work there. 
Jesus has completely defeated Satan, completely stripped him of all authority and brought him to naught. Then how is it that he's still working death, destruction, stealing, and killing all over the world, including God's people? How is he able to do this? Primarily two ways. He operates through deception, and he gets people to use spiritual laws that should be helping them against themselves. Instead of magnifying God, who's able to bring them out and deliver them, they magnify the problem. Satan tries to turn faith into fear. He tries to turn meditation into worry. Instead of magnifying God, they magnify the problem. Millions of people, including Christians, cannot see the connection between magnifying the problem all the time and it getting worse. They can't, they, they're blinded to it, and this is part of Satan's deceptive operation. They're operating in, in these spiritual laws that should be working for them, and he's getting them to use these laws to work against themselves, and they, they, can't get the, they can't make the connection. And this is the deceptive uh, work of Satan that allows him to keep an advantage over them as they continue to give him a place to work in their lives. And most of the time, you can trace it back to two places, right here and right here. This is where we give place to the devil, right here and up here. This, we either give place to God here and here, or we're giving place to the devil. And millions of Christians all over the world, they magnify the problem over and over and over, and they call it prayer. God, why won't you help me? You know, why don't you help me get out of debt? Can't you see the strain this is putting on my family? Why don't you help me? And they cry, you know, and they, they, they beg and they plead. They cry their eyes out. And after months and months and months of this, it just gets worse. And, and it never improves. And they, they don't see the connection. And Satan just keeps them blinded. What they need to be praying is, Lord, show me where I have missed it. And show me where and how I have given place to Satan and where he's been blinding me so I can cut this off and I can stop it. That's what they need to be praying. And Paul addressed this problem in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. You don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy 2 uh, in verse 25, Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, teach the believers how Satan blinds them and how he uses these spiritual laws against them and teach them how to recover themselves out of these destructive cycles. And uh, 
in verse 25, he said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. That's what's happening to Christians. They can't see this. Satan's got them blinded that they magnify the problem. They talk the problem. God, why don't you help me? You know, and, and they go round and round and round. And uh, they're opposing themselves. They're using, instead of magnifying God, they're magnifying the problem, and it's making the problem worse. And they're opposing themselves, and they can't see it. The Living Bible says, instructing those who are mixed up concerning the truth. <laughs> mixed up concerning the truth. Why are they mixed up concerning the truth? Because the whole world lives this way, talking the problem, magnifying the problem, and they think it's normal. And a lot of Christians think it's normal. And when you're, you live in a barrage of this, in a world which we do, we're, we're, we're bombarded by this everywhere we go. That's why we need to be on the alert about it. That's why we need to, to know not to get caught up in this negative flow, not to get caught up in the way everybody else is, is thinking and talking. They think it's normal. It's not. It's spiritual. They're, they're doing something spiritual. They're deceived by Satan, and they're using spiritual forces to magnify the problem, and it continues to give Satan a place to work in their life, and that's how he keeps an advantage over them. God put these spiritual forces here for us to use for our benefit, not for our destruction. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're out there in the world or even if you're a believer and, and you don't know these spiritual laws and truths and principles, then uh, you're going to get the same results they get. And, and that's that should not be the case for a believer. Uh, it goes on to say, 2 Timothy, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. He has taken them captive at his will, and they don't even get the connection on how it's happened. Paul said to Timothy, this is why you're to teach them how these spiritual laws work. In verse 26, in the easy-to-read version, it says, The devil has trapped them and now makes them do what he wants. But maybe they can wake up to see what is happening and free themselves from the devil's trap. Notice the phrase, free themselves from the devil's trap. The truth is, their deliverance comes in taking the same spiritual laws that they've been magnifying the problem. God, why don't you help me? Why don't you answer me? Don't you see this is hurting our family? Don't you see I need this? On and on and on. If they would just simply turn that around and begin to magnify God and thank Him, they're already healed. They're already delivered. They're already free. You remember the man with the cigar cigarette smoking? Thank you, Lord. I'm free from smoking. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm free from cigarettes. That's all they did. 
what, what had he started out doing when he walked in that church? He went for 20 minutes telling the preacher how he could not quit smoking. And he went on and on and on and on. And he told him, I've had this, I've had that. I've had this treatment. I cannot quit smoking. And he went on and on and on. What's he doing? He's magnifying the problem. And all that preacher did was just simply get him to take the same process and turn it around 180 degrees and begin to say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. Thank you, Lord, I have no desire to smoke, and on and on and on. And after several weeks, he was standing out on the street corner, and it was gone. It was just gone. But what he said to the preacher, we, anybody else, can easily be saying to God in prayer, telling him the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasting time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, it's, it's people are, millions of Christians are frustrated. And they're even miffed at God because he won't help them. And we're going to talk about that. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But if we take the same process and say, thank you, Lord, you bore arthritis for me. You bore Crohn's disease for me. You bore tumors for me. You bore allergies for me so I wouldn't have to have them. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from arthritis. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from diabetes. I'm free from tumors. I'm free from allergies. Then, um, you know, we just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, I'm free from debt. Thank you, Lord, for giving me wisdom and showing me how I got into this mess so it'll never happen again. That's what we really need to be praying. Lord, show me where I missed it and how I got into this mess. But when you begin to do that, it's just a matter of time. You are on your way out already. You're already on your way out. This is your deliverance that Satan wants to blind you to. But when you magnify the problem, you give the devil place. But when you magnify God and thank him for delivering you in advance, you give God place to get involved in your situation and your affairs. So don't let this be so simple that you miss this revelation, okay? You, it, it sounds simple, but don't let it be so simple that, that you miss it because th this is one way people get mixed up concerning the truth because Satan tries to complicate the Bible and you all these theological answers for why this happened and why that didn't happen it's not, it's not complicated. It's simple. But the devil has tried to complicate it so that we can't make these connections. And it's really simple. You know, uh, somebody may say, yeah, but you got such and such disease. And, you know, only one in a million people get it. And the doctor said, you got the worst case he's ever seen. You know? Why do you say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 34, 3. Hallelujah. Boy, that'll get them to talking, won't it? <laughs> so when you're in adverse circumstances, you have a choice. What are you going to magnify? That's your choice. What are you going to magnify? What if you magnify the choice 
What if you make the choice to magnify God instead of magnifying the problem? What if you just thanked Him day and night for healing you, for providing for you? Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from arthritis. I'm free from cancer. I'm free from tumors. I'm free from allergies. Hallelujah. It opens up your spiritual insides. And it, and it does a work that we haven't even been aware of. And it gives God a bigger place to come in and work. He's just looking for a, a place. He's just looking for a way to get in. But millions of Christians, by this magnifying the problem and, and so forth, they love the Lord, but they have effectively shut God out of their lives, and they, they're not even aware of it. I mean, magnify the Lord for healing? Some of them don't even believe in it. They don't even, you know, they've been told it's passed away. They've been told sickness is a tool from God to make you holier. I mean, they've been, they've been told, you know, and that's what they believe. That's what they believe. You know, they, they wouldn't dare magnify God for healing them in advance, but I'll tell you what they will magnify. They'll magnify the disease. They can tell you every Latin name for it. They've been on the Internet. They've done all the research. They can tell you the latest treatments. They can tell you all the lab tests. They're experts on this disease, and they talk about it. They ring up their friends. They compare doctor's appointments. They compare medications. They compare symptoms. You know, this thing is ruling their life. You know, where, where I work, it used to be a, a, a reference center for Lyme's disease. And, and uh, blood samples would come there and they would do further tests, you know, to confirm whether it was Lyme's disease or not. They don't do that anymore. It's been moved somewhere else. But they were telling me, Members of the public used to ring into the lab directly. I don't know how they got in there, but they used to ring them up. And they'd say, do you do such and such tests for Lyme's disease? You know, and they'll say, no, we don't do that. We do this one. Oh, but I saw on the internet, this is a better test than that one. Why don't you do that one? They're experts on it. I'm telling you, they know every test for Lyme's disease there is, you know. And they're Huh? And they're not qualified. No, they just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but boy, they've done the research on their disease, you know, and for a few people, I, I think this is pretty rare, but there are a few people out there that actually enjoy the attention that their sickness brings them, you know, they, 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 they think their disease makes them special and unique, you know, they'll say, man, all the Doctors came around my bed in the hospital. They all wanted to talk to me. You know, they never seen a case like mine before. And they want me to be in a special research program. That makes them feel important, doesn't it? You know, I don't, fortunately, I don't think there are too many people like that, but there are some. They just like the attention that their problem and their illness brings them. But the alternative to that is the more they talk about it and the more they magnify it usually they begin to feel sorry for themselves you know poor me I got so-and-so I'm too young to have this I shouldn't have you know I shouldn't be having this and and uh, you know darkness moves in 
What happens? God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And their faith gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And to them, God seems like he is four million miles away. And they will say, I just can't seem to touch God with my problem. <laughs> you know, and they've been over it and over it, you know. And, and it, 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 it bothers me, you know, it really does bother me. But what if they just turned it around and they just began to magnify the Lord for the answer? Mm -hmm. What if he magnified them for delivering them and healing them? Their spiritual insides would get bigger. Their capacity to receive would enlarge. It would give God a larger place to work in their lives. It's not the situation that's impossible, and it's not that God won't help them. He's just effectively been shut out. And they shut him out and don't even realize they did it. That, that's the deceptive part of how Satan works. You know, in one of our first sessions, we uh, looked at how Jesus treated or responded to uh, the suggestion by... Peter, that he should pity himself because of what he was going to have to go through on the cross, and he didn't deserve it. And Jesus knew he didn't deserve it. And it was a temptation. And he had been battling this temptation for probably days and weeks. But as soon as Peter said, no, Jesus, that ain't going to happen to you, pity yourself. We saw how Jesus reacted to that. He considered that to be a dangerous thought, and he did not allow himself to even begin to, to entertain that thought for five seconds. If he had entertained that thought for five seconds, I mean the devil and darkness would have moved in on him. It probably would have overwhelmed him. So if Jesus considered uh, that Self-pity is dangerous. Do you think we ought to consider it to be dangerous? Yes. All things are possible to him that believes, but you have to believe God instead of believing the problem. You have to believe that greater is he that is in you. And a major way you do that is by magnifying and glorifying and thanking God for bringing you out before you're out. Okay, I mean, once you're out, anybody can thank the Lord and magnify Him. Does that require any faith? Not after it's already happened. But when you thank God you're out before you're out, you are in faith. You're in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you must not do is magnify the problem. First generation Israelites perished in the wilderness. Why? Was it because God wouldn't help them? <laughs> Was God trying to teach them a spiritual lesson through hardship and suffering? No, but there's, I, I guarantee there's some places out there that preach that. I've heard it preached. Was it because they didn't have a choice? No. They had a choice. Like I said, they could 
magnify God or they could magnify the problem. They sent the spies over into the land. They brought back fruit. They brought back evidence. It was a good land. They said, yes, it's exactly what God said. It's exactly like he said it is. We even brought back some grapes, and it took two of us to carry them back. That's just an example. That's just a small example of what's there. But they magnified the grapes for about 30 seconds. But. They began to magnify the giants. And they began to magnify the walled cities. And they began to magnify the chariots and the size of the giants and so forth. And it opened up their minds and their spirits to fear. They opened themselves up to fear. The bigger the problem got, the more impossible it looked that they could go take that land and conquer it. What about us today? The doctor said, I got such and such disease, and, you know, only, you know, eight out of ten people get that. You know, you've had it. How would God ever get that much money to me? Isn't that magnifying the giants in the wall cities? Amen? How would those people ever do that for me? Isn't that magnifying the problem? Looking at the giants? Magnifying the need? Magnifying the debt? Magnifying the amount? When you magnify the need and the amount and the size, what are you not doing? Magnifying God. Yeah, and you're not being thankful. Amen. You're not magnifying God. You're not glorifying God. If you go for days thinking and talking about how bad the situation is, I don't deserve this, you know, it's not going to be long till you start feeling sorry for yourself. And we need to keep our self-pity alarm on all the time. So when somebody comes up to you and says, How you doing? Well, you know, my rheumatism, it's getting that time of year, you know. Your pity alarm should be going beep, 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 beep. That, that's what should happen. You know, you should keep that pity alarm going all the time. You jump up and you say, no, Satan, you get behind me, just like Jesus said. I have a healer. I have a need meter. I have a protector. I have a mighty God, and he always causes me to triumph. We can't always be in control of everything going on around us, but we can be in control of how we respond to it, what we focus on, and what we magnify. You can be aware that something is there, it's yelling and screaming at you for your attention, but if you look at it and talk about it and magnify it, the bigger it gets and you gotta that's where you make your choice no I'm not looking at that I'm aware it's there I'm not denying it but I'm not looking at it I'm not talking about it I'm not magnifying it our deliverance is in oh magnify the Lord with me but you don't know how bad it is oh magnify the Lord with me you don't know what the solicitor said. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hallelujah. So no more talking about how big the problem is. We're going to talk about how big God is. For the rest of this week, the rest of this year, the rest of the time here on this earth as long as we're here. Amen? We don't want this in our heads. I want this down in our spirits. Amen? And I'm determined I'm going to get hold of this. I'm, I mean, I'm already seeing a difference. You know, I'm already seeing a difference in just what little I'm learning. And But I'm practicing it. I'm putting it into motion. Amen? We're going to talk about how easy it is for God to bring the money in. Amen? A thousand different ways. We're going to thank Him, praise Him day and night. Thank you, Lord. You always cause me to triumph. Thank you, Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's what we're going to magnify. Satan doesn't want you. Uh, you know, the, in Job it says, At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. And Satan doesn't want you laughing at your problems. He wants you scared of your problems. You know, ooh, you better be afraid of that. You know, eight out of ten people get that and they're gone. You know, you know, yeah, I know. I read on the internet somebody got that, and before they died, their brain fell out. You know, they were just, they were just sitting at the table eating, you know. And, and we can laugh about that here, but I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want you laughing at it. But that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. I mean, this, you know, it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, amen. We got to have 10,000 pounds. What's 10,000 pounds to God? Amen? Hallelujah. Romans 4.19, back to Abraham. When Abraham stopped magnifying the problem and he stopped magnifying his age and Sarah's age, this is when things began to turn. For years he did this. You go back and you read in Genesis. He said, Lord, you know, he had come back to God, Lord, you, where's, I don't have an heir. And he kept telling God, I don't have an heir, like God knew he didn't have an heir, you know. And he said, I've only got this servant, Eleazar, is my heir. You promised me a son. And he just kept going back to God, you know, with the problem. And he did this years. I, I looked it up. I tried to find it again. I think it was like 25 years or something he did this. But, you know, one morning, you know, he, he got up and he, he started looking in the mirror and he says, you are the father of many nations. And he'd look at Sarah and say, you are the mother of many nations. You know, and when he started doing that and he would meet people on the street and they'd say, good morning, Abram. He would say, oh no, my name's changed. Don't call me Abram anymore. Call me Abraham. Good morning, Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. That's when things began to turn. Verse 20 says, moreover, oh sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He became strong in faith, and he became fully persuaded. How? By giving glory to God. When he began to glorify God and magnify God, the bigger God got on the inside of him, and the smaller his age became to him, the smaller the natural circumstances became, and he got to where he didn't even consider them anymore. He didn't even consider them. And from other scriptures, we know that giving glory to God included giving thanks to God. By giving glory to God and thanking God in advance, when nothing outward had changed, he gave God place to work in their circumstances. And God turned the clock back on Abraham. He turned the clock back on Sarah. He recreated her internal organs on a molecular level. They became the age of a young woman again. Now, if God did that for Sarah, he can fix your heart, he can fix your kidney, he can fix your knee, joint, whatever. He's still doing it today, but we got to stop magnifying the problem and start magnifying God. Now, let's finish with Psalm 69. Psalm 69. This is just going to say it real plain. Psalm 69, verse 30. Let's read this out loud together. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Magnify him with what? Thanksgiving. This puts them directly together. Magnifying God with thanksgiving. Who does it say will praise the name of the Lord with song? I will. We're responsible for doing our own thanking. It's not up to other people to thank God for us. Amen? We, we initiate this. I want this down in our spirits so when, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you raise up in the bed and you say, Oh, magnify the Lord. Amen. You know it's in your spirit. And when somebody tells you about somebody that died, you tell them about four people that got healed. Amen. <laughs> and when they talk about somebody's business going down the drain, you tell them you know somebody's business who's increasing. Amen. Greg's one of them right back there. You got one example. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not bragging on them. You're not bragging on you. You're magnifying the Lord. And you can look at people's faces and tell what they've been thinking about. When they're thinking the right thing, they've got joy. Amen. 
What happens when you start thinking about bad things that have happened to you or to others? You start going down. Your strength gets small and the situation gets worse. It looks bigger. Your faith gets smaller. And God seems like he's four million miles away. But we make the choice. God stays the same all the time. He never changes. But he is not moved by complaining or begging. He's moved by the same thing that moved him and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Isn't that what he said to the centurion? He says, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house and pray for my servant. You speak the word only and he'll be healed. Jesus said, that is the highest form of faith. He said, I hadn't even seen an Israelite with faith like this. And this man was a Roman. He was a, you know, he wasn't even a covenant man. But he understood authority. He said, I have men under me. And when I say to them, go, they go. And when I say to them, come, they come. And he recognized Jesus had authority over evil spirits. And he had authority over uh, you know, sickness and disease and so forth. He says, you don't have to come to my house. You just speak the word. And Jesus said, I haven't even seen Israelites with this kind of faith. That's what still moves him. Amen? Magnify the Lord with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And it says, uh, I will praise the name of God with a song. God can give you a song that will help get you into thanksgiving mode. Whatever style of music you like. Opera, classical, country western, rap, you know, what, whatever your style is, God can give you a song to help you stay in thanksgiving mode. This week, I began to... to uh, Think about and, and meditate on the, the last two verses of what we just read. So I lift up my hands and boldly decree something great's about to happen to me. And I just began to put that to a tune. And I just began to say it, you know, in my mind, you know, you can do the cha-cha-cha or whatever, you know, you like, you know. Thank you, Lord, you're healing me. Thank you, Lord, you're delivering me. You know, whatever your oldies, whatever, put it to us a, a song. Amen. Hallelujah. It'll help you get into Thanksgiving mode. It's something that, that, that'll stick with you. Amen. Hallelujah. When you say, Lord, I thank you that you're bigger than this situation, and by your grace, you are going to bring me up and out of this. Amen. You're on your way out. God immediately has an opening in your life. And the same opening you praise Him out of, He is able to flow back into you. Just however big you can thank God is how big a place you give Him to come in to your situation and begin to turn it around. It opens up your mind and your spirit to God. 
Instead of doing what the Israelites did, the more they magnified the giants, they opened up their spirit and mind to fear. And it overwhelmed them. Well, the same process can work magnifying God. You open up all of God's possibilities into your life. You give God something to work with. The power to change your life around you begins in you. And I began to see that a long time ago when I, with my financial circumstances, most people, you know, that, that are believing for prosperity, they're having struggles and all in that area, they think everything is going to change out here first, and then they're going to believe. You know, then they're going to have faith. Then, then I'll begin to thank God. They think somehow all their financial things are going to get in order out here, and then something's going to happen in here. No, it starts in here first. That's what happened to Abraham. God did not change. And all those 25 years of Abraham going round and round, that he didn't have an heir, God never changed. Abraham changed. When Abraham changed in less than one year, Isaac was born. After 20-something-odd years of going to God and saying, why don't I have an heir? You said I'd have an heir. All I've got is a servant, Eleazar. You know, and God began to change his name. He, be he began, he took him out and showed him the stars. He said, that's, that's how your descendants are going to be, like the sands of the sea. What is he doing? He's trying to change his insides. <laughs> God was working on his insides by showing him something natural. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Romans, and he didn't have that. So God, it took a while. So we can't be hard on, I'm not being hard on Abraham, you know. Uh, he was, you know, that's why he's in the hall of faith over here, you know. It's, it's remarkable, the faith those people had, you know. But, it, but Abraham is the one that changed. God did not change. And this, you. What did you say there when something changed in you? When you started this sort of paragraph? Uh, the power to change your life around you begins in you. And that's what happened to Abraham. When he changed on the inside and he stopped magnifying his age, and he stopped magnifying Sarah's age. And he's, you know, and he began to thank God and magnify God and glorify God. Within, in less than a year, Isaac was born. Hallelujah. He changed from magnifying the problem to magnifying God, and it changed him on the inside. And that's what I'm trying to establish today that this does something on the inside of us and it affects what's around us because it gives God a place to get involved in our affairs and begin to do something about this out here amen hallelujah let's say this together I'm going to magnify God 
and glorify God. Not the problem. I'm not cutting myself off from the grace of God. I am confident you will cause me to be completely fulfilled and completely satisfied. You will do exceeding abundantly above everything I have ever thought or desired or asked. It will come to pass. I will not come short. I will not come short. I'll not be left behind. I will not lack any good thing. But I will be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.